Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome to episode 264 of Sexology Podcast. Today we're going to talk about how to become a stellar kisser. It's one of those skills that people haven't upgraded. Most people haven't upgraded their skills since middle school. We're continuing to do the same thing and hoping that it's good enough. And unless we're doing something horrible, our lovers are not giving us feedback. So today we're going to talk about what makes a great kiss. We're going to talk about some of the do's and don'ts. We're going to talk about different styles of kissing. We're going to talk about erotic touch. We're going to talk about what can you do to build arousal. So most of the thing you would need during foreplay, we have it here. And also speaking of foreplay, if you have not downloaded our checklist of nine of my best suggestions on foreplay, activities that you can do with your partner tonight make sure you're downloading it the checklist is completely free and it has been very exciting for me and my husband to try it so i hope that you find it useful as well our guest is darshana avila you might have seen her on Netflix's reality show, Sex, Love, and Goop. I was at dinner the other night with my colleague, and they were telling me that Darshana was their favorite expert on the show. So if you have watched the episodes, you probably can recognize her. Darshana is nurturing a culture of erotic wholeness as an internationally recognized speaker, coach, and facilitator, Darshana supports women and couples in exploring and reshaping their relationship to intimacy, sex, and eroticism. She created a map of erotic wholeness as a path to personal liberation in service to our collective sexual liberation. You can find her link to her website in the show notes, and she has tons of great things on her website, and you can follow her in her social media. Before we go to our conversation today, I want to thank our sponsor, Cozy Earth. They are premium bamboo bedding and sleepwear company. I love their product. I have both of the sheets and the PJ. I'm going to talk about my experience at the end of the show. But they are so great that they're also in the opera's list of favorite thing. They are super comfortable. They don't have any harsh chemical on them. They're just great. And they're also super soft. If you want to purchase their product, they graciously offered promo code to our listeners. So if you use the code Sexology, you're going to get 40% off of all product. You can find the link in the show notes. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. It's my honor to welcome Darshana Avila on our show. Darshana, welcome to our show. Thank you, Naz. So happy to be here. I am very excited about this conversation. This is part of our sexual skills series. And I share this with our listeners that as a psychologist, I feel I'm really good with the mind stuff, but touch and kind of somatic part of it. It's something mm-hmm. that I also continue 
to learn. And I know that's one of your areas of expertise. Yeah, it's, it's actually why I personally chose not to become a therapist <laughs> or, or go down that track because I had such a foundation in the body-based realm. And I'm like, I'm just gonna stay over here on this side of the equation. <laughs> they dance together certainly, but yeah, it is a different skill set. You know, since this is part of sexual skills, sure, we can talk about it that way. A different skill set, also just a different orientation. You know, I think our, our dominant culture really does place a disproportionate emphasis on our minds. And so a lot of people struggle when it comes to their intimacy to be in their bodies, which is where they want to be. They just don't know how to get there. So that is where I can help. (laughs) Absolutely. And I'm with you that sometimes people feel like if they want to elevate their sexual experiences, it's about elevating their kind of like psychological part of that psychological part of their life, erotic self, and also kind of like improving their erotic eroticism and the mind, mind parts of it. But it's my experience that people often miss the kind of like the somatic part of it, which is so important. And mm. as, and I don't need to tell you, but for yes. listeners, <laughs> totally. totally. So like it, it's sex is about body. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious to learn more about how you got into this because I I often refer clients to sexological body worker if needed and I think that yeah. can be very powerful so tell us how did you get into this field yeah well how I got into this actually has a lot to do with what you were just speaking to and and I think the bigger thing to say here is like we we talk about ourselves and, and one another as like my mind my body my heart my spirit as if these were distinct entities and they're not distinct entities, they're, they're us, you know, they're different facets of ourselves, right? And so for me personally, my entry point to all this was at a time in my life where my sexuality and my spirituality felt very disconnected from each other. And, and so there was a, a sense of disconnect within me and, and that was intrinsically uncomfortable. And, and I had a sense like something's off here and it, it could be different. And at that you know early stage, I didn't know how to make that happen. Tantra was really the inroads for me as a long time devoted yoga practitioner. And so my yoga practice was where I was getting really lit up, spiritually speaking. And I was at a time in my life having recently divorced where I was dating and having sex with different people and different experiences. And I was getting really lit up in that way and wanted those two things to connect in my body and in my psyche. And so that, that's what set me on my path. And I didn't necessarily start out saying, I'm going to become a sexological body worker. I'm going to become an erotic wholeness coach. But all of those things happened as a, you know, just as the outcome of exploring different pathways to integrating mind, body, heart, spirit around what now I can speak about as eroticism you know, what it is to be erotic, to be in a sensuous feeling animate body as part of a sensuous feeling animate world and and want to bring the whole of myself into relationship. That's what set me on my path personally. And that's exactly where I support people professionally. Beautiful. I, I agree with you. I was just before recording, I was sharing with you that how I knew about your work and then I saw you as well on the new series, The Goop. And you know yeah. what was very powerful from what you were sharing there, I felt that like you were introducing about, you were talking about trauma and all of these Mm -hmm. things that stores in our body. And I feel sometimes we don't have awareness about that. Thinking about Mm -hmm. that was then, and right now it's not relevant. And we're trying to be kind of like some vulva 
owners are socialized that sex is not powerful in your body or like it's if it's painful, it's normal. So I think it's important for, for people to know that's not the case. Right. And I can't tell you how often it happens that I might be working with a client for quite a stretch of time. And then we happen upon a conversation where they're bringing up a piece of early formative history. And they're like, well, such and such happened, but I never really thought about how that could be affecting my sex life. And I'm sitting over here like, really? You never thought about that? I mean, I'm, obviously that is not what I would say, but but it's what I want to emphasize here is that sometimes the, to a, a neutral observer on the outside, connecting those dots is so obvious and simple. And yet we're not that subjective about our own selves and we compartmentalize for good reasons. Sometimes we fully repress and suppress certain memories. And so there are things that happen to us, whether when we're very, very young or at any point in the arc of our developmental journey. And we're carrying all those ages and stages of life with us into the present moment. So you can be 47 years old and feel incredibly empowered and on your game and like you're thriving in relationship. And then all of a sudden your seven-year-old's experience is in the room with you. And you're wondering why you feel so afraid or out of control or, or why the thought of a particular intimate connection overwhelms you. And, and often it is because there's trauma that is alive in the body that has not been attended to. And it's coming up saying like, hi there, I, I'm ready. And then that opens up a whole scope of possibility for how we meet that. And we are not meant to do that alone. And so something I, that feels really important to say, just in the interest of normalizing and making sure that we're, we're stripping all the shame out of this, we as humans aren't meant to do this work alone. You know, it, it, it's not like there's something wrong with you individual if you can't crack this nut by yourself. This is why we need support people. This is why we need community and people trained in identifying and remediating trauma to, to be of service to folks as they're navigating. And that's that's just the nature of being human. I love that. And I tell my clients often that trauma gets healed in the community. Yes. And connection is such a big part of it. Connection with yourself, with the other people. So I think that's mm -hmm. that's really, really important. Yeah. And sometimes when people think trauma, they think rape, sexual assault, those kind of trauma. But one thing that I hear a lot from my client, and I also grew up in a conservative community, is that women, women's vulva owners' bodies at times, they don't, it doesn't belong to them, right? right? That I feel like people are, if you're not careful, like touching you, kind of doing all sorts of crazy things, that's a messaging. Of course, mm -hmm. you're not doing anything wrong and people are being inappropriate because they just don't know about boundaries. But right. you learn early on to have go around the world with garden, with mm -hmm. these walls up. And it requires intentional pivoting for many Bola owners that coming from that background to be able to, open their sexual self. Right. I, I mean, and that's, yes, 110% yes. And, you know, we, I, I grew up perhaps in a different dominant culture than yours, but we have that thread in common that there is this notion that particularly if you're acculturated as a woman, that your sexuality doesn't actually belong to you, that it's something that is given over in service to your male partner. So there's the heteronormative cisgendered paradigm that 
whatever your particular orientation, we are we are all steeped in those waters, right? And, and, and so this idea that we're supposed to make sex available as a currency we trade on for security, for, for, for being provided for so on and so forth is a very antiquated and very harmful paradigm that we're still enacting. And so it's not even malicious intent. You know, what I find, and I imagine you probably see this too, if you're in private practice with het couples, like the men would like to know how to take better care of their women, but but there's not even a cultural norm for in many spaces and many circles around exploring that. So both as, as vulva owners, if we are women, we have a responsibility and an opportunity to get to know ourselves, our partners, whatever their gender, but I'm, I am speaking about the cisgendered heteronormative paradigm here. Like they have an opportunity too. We need to just normalize like the okayness of that. That, that we're not actually born with operating manuals in hand <laughs> that, that tell us everything and, and getting educated, having vulnerable conversations, learning about what really inspires and ignites somebody's sense of pleasure, learning about technique, toys, whatever it might be, just normalizing the fact that that's an okay thing to access is a huge shift for a lot of people because it isn't part of our cultural norms, even still. Absolutely. Mm. And where where are we supposed to learn about these things? I tell people we're not against, I'm not against porn, but it's not sex education. And who's going to teach you these things? And you kind of go based on the scripts that you learn from kind of like popular media, what they're portraying. Mm -hmm. And that's just not working for many, many couples. Or maybe it works at a certain part of their life and is no longer serving them. Well, I think one of the kind of skills that it's really helpful for people to improve, learn, and kind of like augment is touching and mm-hmm. kissing. So, mm-hmm. and <laughs> when I think about kissing, I remember kids in middle school, they practice and that's, that's all the information you get practicing on <laughs> your hand <laughs> and right. then you're hoping that you got it. <laughs> yeah. So tell us why good kissing is important for sex. Yeah. Well, I, I want to actually, I will tell you that I will, but this idea of kissing our own hands, here's what's so funny about that to me. I mean, it's great in a certain way because then you get the complete feedback loop. You are both the one doing and the one being done too. So you get to have a sense of like, oh, what does my kiss feel like? Because your hand is actually perceiving that, which is kind of a fascinating thing, but it's also an incredibly biased thing because how am I supposed to know if another person is gonna like my kiss? And the same holds true with every person we might kiss. And, and this is where we always need to begin with any kind of touch, with any kind of sexual act, kissing or, or whatever it may be, the, the baseline understanding that I want everyone to have is that all bodies are different. Everyone ha- comes with their own set of preferences, their own set of boundaries. They're the things that turn them on, the things that don't. And so the greatest gift that we can bring to our intimate lives, whatever way we're going to be relating, is curiosity. A willingness to say, hey, I don't know what you like. Let's find out. And we get to extend that same courtesy to ourselves. Like be cur- you know, be curious about our own experiences, but also whomever we're kissing with or kissing with. Okay, there we go. We're going to talk about kissing. (laughs) Whoever we're touching, whoever we're playing around with, whoever we're making love with, whatever terms you want to use there. And I agree with you, touching and kissing are incredibly important foundations because for most of us, that's the entry point. You know, very few people, I'm not saying nobody, and and I, I don't want to judge because there are circumstances where different things might apply, but 
For as a baseline, most of us begin by hugging, caressing, touching bodies, we kiss. There's a reason why this is first base and second base in, in that paradigm, right? That like we know as, as kids and teens and stuff. And, and so because it's because both there's something incredibly beautifully intimate about it. And we can also touch and kiss around the safer zones of our body. And, I, and I'm using the term safer, relatively speaking. Really what I mean to say is that things on the periphery of our body tend to be easier on our nervous systems to take in when we're coming into contact with somebody new. So it might not be the sexiest thing in the world to talk about a nervous system while you're also talking about turn on, but it's important to know a few basic things about how these sensitive wire, you know, these, these bodies of ours have sensitive nervous systems in there. And if I come straight in for your genitals without any preamble, that is going to be a shock to your body. Your nervous system is going to activate and you're going to brace and armor and everything that happens from there is going to be a reaction to that. Whereas if I begin by, you know, softly stroking your hair and your arms, your back, places where there's actually like more solid bone instead of soft tissue, that gives your body a chance to, to ease in and say, oh, okay, something's happening now. So someone's coming close and, and I can sense into my, my, the degree to which I feel safe the degree to which I feel relaxed, the degree to which I feel pleasure and turn on. And as that builds and mounts, you move into more and more and more as is mutually desirable. So the touching and also the kissing are kind of the lowest common denominators where most of us are going to start and have that actually feel good and safe and welcome in our bodies. Absolutely. And, you know, I was trained as uh, like for classical music and I was playing piano for years. And one of the thing that it's, it's important music is to build up to the higher notes. Mm -hmm. You're not starting from that high note because it's not right. going to be as effective and impactful. Yeah. And I feel it's the same with touch. You're building mm -hmm. up if you're going right for genital and penetration and all of those things. It's like uh, hitting the key from right after, like right when you start the music. So, yeah. and it can be built up also can be very, very powerful on its own. But I think that's when people are kind of like getting confused. Right. And, you know, and I, obviously we all have different experiences, but for me, I remember back to the age of life when I wasn't sexually active, but I was making out and, and, you know, like those first like teenage kisses and stuff like that. And, and there was so much delight delicious sexual tension to play with before the clothes were coming off, before the genitals were involved. And so I work with couples a lot as adults now and invite them to create circumstances that, that, that will evoke that quality of playful tension that, that we get to actually enjoy and experiment with. And, and what is it like to let turn on mount and build in your body you know, we have this idea, I, I have a bit of an issue with the term foreplay, simply because it takes everything that isn't genitally focused, penis and vagina in particular, and it places it on a, a in a separate category that is somehow substandard, which is missing the point completely. You know, everything that we might lump into that category of foreplay has the capacity to be a deeply nourishing, satisfying, erotic experience and encounter unto itself, including kissing. 
And so to talk about that in particular, what I want to invite the possibility of is that a kiss is more than lips on lips, you know, that, that, that your kiss actually gets to be a fully embodied experience. You, you get to, to bring your whole selves together. You get to writhe and groove and, and, and hug and touch. You can wrestle, you can, whatever the qualities that you want to invoke, it could be soft and sensuous. It could be a little more animalistic, wild, playful. There are so many ways that just through touching and kissing, again, with the willingness to be curious and also asking for and receiving feedback, you can create such delicious encounters for you and your lover, for you and your partner. But we often forget that that's available to us once like penetrative sex or genitals involved in any which way come into the mix. So my biggest invitation to people is to remember that like all the things that we think are less than sex actually can really amazing experiences if we choose to give attention to them. Absolutely. And, you know, I was like reflecting on my first sexual encounters. I was not penetration. And as I was doing this series and I was thinking about why was that so hot, like Mm. so exciting. And I can say that some of those experiences were significantly more memorable than the penetrative sexual experiences that I had later in life. So it's not a kind of hierarchy of if for heterosexual couple, like penis to vagina is the kind of this ultimate goal. And if that's available to you, then kissing is a road to going to that path. Mm -hmm. And people miss the opportunity to build up arousal and explore Mm -hmm. the the deliciousness that their body provides. Yeah. And I promise you that any kind, any intercourse that happens on the other side of really giving a lot of attention to the kissing, the touching, the caressing, the exploring, is going to be that much better, particularly for vulva bearing bodies. I mean, it, it is a physiological truth. We need to be warmed up. It doesn't mean that you can never have a quickie. It doesn't mean that it always has to be a lengthy and elaborate thing. But the reality is our bodies take time to really mount into that full arousal and receptivity. And so the reason why penetration can be such a fraught dynamic for some people is because simply it's being rushed into before the vulva bearing body is ready. And, and that's like the fact that that's become so normalized culturally is it's a travesty, honestly. And it's not something that we have to keep enacting. You know, every single one of us is at choice to say, okay, I'm listening to this podcast. I'm, I'm reading this book. I'm, I'm, I'm getting awakened to the reality that there might be more to my sex life than, than I've known. And again, no shame in that. When we know better, we do better, right? And, and so there, there's an opportunity to be really humble and, and hang out in that very you know, Buddhist perspective of, of beginner's mind. Like, let's just assume there's a ton we don't know. And that when we find new things out, we get to celebrate that and be excited about that and say, cool, now I'm going to put this into the mix and I'm going to experiment and see what happens. And, and how fantastic if we can keep that quality of energy, particularly alive in a long-term relationship. Because if you're with someone for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, you're going to need to reinvent things multiple times over. And what better way to do that than by being willing to learn together and, and be in that beginner's mind space where you celebrate when you learn something new instead of any kind of shame or judgment that, oh, I should have known this or you know whatever it is that 
the inner voices are saying in those moments. Very beautifully put. And I often tell people that like I was, I had reservation to do sexual skills series. Like this is a fifth year I'm airing my podcast. And because my mindset was like, if you are showing up to the experience with openness, then perhaps you you will learn what you need to do. But mm-hmm. I feel like we recently did a survey, like more than 85% of people wanted the skills. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, well, then we should give them some skills. <laughs> <laughs> I am so biased about these things because I just want to go to the place of, you know, what, <laughs> what you need to know in the moment. But if someone wanted, and I think you put uh, kind of like brought up such an important point that it's completely normal for couples to explore different things, learn different things and kind of like examine different ways of connecting. So when it comes to the kissing, if someone want to kind of change things up, kind of like do their whole body experience that you mentioned, what are some of the things that you recommend? Well, first and foremost, you want to start slow, you know, so, so building the tension and building the arousal is almost never a bad thing. I'm not going to say it's never a bad thing, but it's almost never a bad thing. And so what I like, what I would invite, and I'm just going to let myself go into the fantasy realm of, of being with a lover right now. And if I was with someone who I'm really attracted to, chances are I'm going to start by like kind of nuzzling my face around their neck and their chest and their cheeks. And, and, and again, like even that right there, me invoking nuzzling and I'm using my face, my forehead, my cheeks, my nose. It doesn't have to be my lips immediately. I start coming close. I might let my breath tickle across their ear. And here's a pro tip. You want to suck instead of blow. If you suck on an ear, suck the breath in it really does something very yummy to that ear. <laughs> we got a lot I did not know that. There. Try that one out, Nas. Let me know how it goes. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, so then little by little, I might start to like moisten my lips and let my lips drag across like that, that space along the jawline, cheeks, chin, little bit of teeth action, little bit of tongue action. So I'm bringing in different textures and sensations, dry and moist, soft and hard, little love nips, little, you know, kisses that can be very light and delicate ones that you deliberately press and, and, and give more pressure and a little more presence and stay there. And this can be happening anywhere on the body. So I happen to be talking about everything that is adjacent to our face and and mouth, but this could be breasts, this could be belly, this could be back arms. And it is quite a thing to take the time to be with a particular part of a lover's body that typically isn't considered an erogenous zone. There is a way where that signals something powerful of like, I am here with you. I am interested in you. Your, Your body matters to me. And this is regardless of gender. This is regardless of orientation, because I think sometimes we have the story that women want this and men don't. And the reality is that we don't have to distinguish between gender lines here. What we need to be curious about is what is this body like? This body, what does this body respond to? So the kissing can happen everywhere. And and at some point in time, you probably are going to want to bring your mouths into connection. And so there, what I love to do is really slowly approach and let the breath be the first contact. 
there's so much intimacy in shared breath. I mean, really think about that. Like to be so close and invited into such a deep place of personal connection with someone that you're sharing breath. And then again, it's, it's that variety of sensation. So you want to be mindful. Like my, my partner right now kisses with a little more teeth than I like a lot of the time. And, and when we first started making out, like, I was like, okay, let, let me see how far I can go with this. And then at a certain point I was like, Hey, like, you know what I really love? I really love when I feel your tongue and your lips super soft and a little lighter on the teeth because my lips are sensitive. And he was like, Oh, okay, great. Like didn't realize I was using too much teeth. And I think oftentimes we're so afraid to give feedback because we assume that the person on the other side is doing something very deliberate that they're totally proud of. And they're going to be horribly offended if we somehow indicate that that's not working for us. When the reality is often we're not aware of the things that we're doing that might not feel good. Because if we knew they didn't feel good to someone, we wouldn't do them. (laughs) So let's give people the benefit of the doubt here that you can give feedback. And I'm using the example of my own experience because it relates to kissing in particular as something that everyone listening can consider for themselves. How does it feel to have teeth, to have tongue, to have a lot of saliva, a little saliva, hard, firm pressure versus soft, delicate pressure? So all of the variables that that you can imagine playing with, that's where the experimentation begins. You you say, okay, I'm going to try a little of this, a little more here, a little less there. I'll go a little more on the breath and a little less on the saliva. I'll I'll come in slow and then I'm going to kiss hard and firm. And you see what your person is responding to and also what feels good in your body, because that matters too. You know, I feel like a lot of this conversation has been, what would the other person like? And you also need to consider what feels good in your body. And the sweet spot is meeting where you both are experiencing pleasure. I love that. And, you know, I like one of the guests that we had that there was a couple that were teaching extended orgasm and they invited me to one of their workshops and they were teaching about taker's touch. And I never Mm. thought about that. Like I thought touch is something you're doing to build up arousal for someone else. Mm. But I never thought about touch is something that you do for yourself. And that is interesting. Yeah, there's a, a very powerful body of work called the wheel of consent that Dr. Betty Martin is the the creator of. And you're nodding your head, you know, I mean, I, I think very few people in the sexuality space professionally don't know about this body of work. But the wheel of consent, just very, very briefly, we speak about giving and receiving. And that's the dynamic that most of us are conscious of. Somebody's giving, someone's receiving. But there's also taking and allowing. Those are the other two facets uh, of this, this wheel that has four quadrants, four parts to it. And so this idea, when it's being done well and, and intentionally, this idea that we can take pleasure from our lover's bodies, that we can take pleasure from the touch, the the kiss, the whatever, and that they are allowing that. They are allowing us access to their bodies so that we can take pleasure. It's such a mind-blowing concept for so many people. Like, you know, you said it yourself, you hadn't thought about that. But really, again, it's like, why wouldn't we want experiences of mutual pleasure as often as we could create them with our partners, with our lovers? 
So as someone who is the active giver or the initiator or the leader, whatever term you want to use here in any given exchange, I really invite you to be focused on your pleasure as well as the other person's. And that also includes your comfort. You know, oftentimes when we are giving something to someone, we might hold our bodies in like a really awkward position. We're, we're tense, our foot's falling asleep, our, our, our arms tired. And, and so, yeah, what is it like to prioritize your sense of comfort in your own body? Because when you are comfortable and more relaxed, that too is going to be transmitted into the experience that you're providing for the other. So for instance, you know, to keep it relevant to kissing, it's like if you're craning your neck at a really awkward angle to, to go in for a kiss and, and that's only going to last so long, shift, readjust, pick a new position. That way the ease that you feel in your body becomes part of what you are giving to your lover as you're kissing them. And that can be applied in so many other circumstances as well, of course. Beautiful. And you know, it's I, I love that you kind of invited us to be leaning to the slowly and kind of like mm-hmm. even explore the kind of like the first space of possibility with kind of like breath and all of that. That's just so erotically can be so erotically charged. So when it comes to kissing, there are different types of kissing and mm-hmm. styles. Can, can you tell us more about that? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the, the, the you know, we talk about like a French kiss uh, as a particular kind of kiss. I don't necessarily know that there are universally agreed upon names for all of these things, but there are, you know, you heard me speaking about this a little bit already when I talk about different variables that, that primarily have to do with what part of our mouth we're using. Right. So, so is it a kiss that involves tongue? Is it a kiss that doesn't? Are there teeth involved? Are there not? Is it, is it very soft and gentle or does it have more pressure coming to it? So the ways that we might create different kinds of kisses and different experiences have to do with those variables being used in different measure and in different combinations. And consider the way, like, consider that a kiss and really any act can communicate so much about the energy and the intention that we want to evoke. So there's a very different experience that you're going to have if your lover approaches really slowly and softly caresses your face and, and drops and sprinkles like little delicate kisses as opposed to them grabbing the back of your neck like and, and pulling them, you know, pulling you in really hard and firmly kissing you, both of which can be incredible experiences. It all depends upon the moment. It all depends upon the preferences of the people involved. So you can conjure romance with a kiss that that is slow and soft and 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 includes maybe whispering little beautiful somethings into the ear of the person you're talking to and pulling back and, and gazing into their eyes. And you can conjure passion with that that kind of taking energy, the the firmer grab, the the going in for harder pressure, and and that's going to evoke a different response. So consider this, you know, you made a mention earlier, uh, like a reference to like music, like playing music, like consider the, the way we kiss, the way we use our bodies can be like playing a different soundtrack at any given moment, turning on a different song that, you know, some, some songs like they're soft and they're mellow and, and you want to cozy up. And some songs it's like, oh, the, the, you know, like the fire ignites and, and that animal comes forward. And we're doing the same thing. We're, we're conducting our own orchestra, if you will 
know, with our kisses, with our touch, with our energy. And many times couples are playing the same song on repeat because they're doing the same things over and over and over again. And just like most of us probably don't want to listen to the same song all day long, we don't want to always have the same kiss. So mix it up, <laughs> experiment. That, that is really what I encourage more than anything. And I, I love the kind of like this analogy of like the music and the, the kind of like sexual play that you're having with your lover, because one thing is you're right that sometimes people learn because they learn one and I put air quote learn one type of kissing and uh, foreplay. They, they feel that's something that they have to repeat and do the same thing, but Similar to music, I might love kind of classical music, but in the middle of the night in the party might not be the right tune for that. Right. So I think it's important to pay attention that in this moment, what what energetically feels right for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this, again, we need to name where the discomfort can come up in asking for what we want or letting it be known when we don't like something. And so the best way to, to dispel the tension around that is to probably not in the moment of kissing, by the way, like have this conversation in some neutral moment, actually create an agreement like, hey, I would really like to know more about what feels good in your body. And I want to get curious about what feels good in my own. Like, can we make it a point to be paying attention to these things and actually having some conversations about it? Like, it could be as simple as that, where you extend an invitation rooted in like a genuine, curious openness and then you're both already in, engaged and enrolled. Like you, you don't have to worry about now I've got to suddenly give feedback out of nowhere. Your partner knows that there's a precedent being set for having conversations and for doing some different experiments together. So that's a really beautiful way. If, if you are part of a couple or in a dynamic where you feel like you're playing the same song over and over and over again in your sex life, simply inviting the possibility that you would be intentional about exploring and then talking about the things that you do and do not like and giving feedback, it, th that makes a huge difference. And when we give feedback, you know, I used this in my personal example earlier, it's very helpful to front load it with what we enjoy. I really love when your lips are soft and moist and I, I get to like, I, I really have a thing with lower lips. Like I tend to like to suck on them a lot when I'm in a deep make out with my lovers. And so I'm like, I want to be able to like play. And, and if you're, if, if your lover is immediately like, if they're the kind of person who comes in and out really quick and I'm like, Oh wait, there went that lip that I wanted to suck on. You know, he doesn't know that, that he's missing an opportunity with me unless I share that. But I don't want to immediately criticize and be like, you move away from me too quickly. That doesn't work. I want to say like, I love when we're close and I actually get to have that experience. I'd like more of it. Are you willing to slow down and actually stay in contact with me more? It's, it's a, you know, it, it's all, and I'm not saying that this is in, instantaneously easy for everybody. Obviously I do this a lot. I have a lot of practice, but you can cultivate these skills too. And maybe that might be the most meaningful skill of all. Like, yes, we're talking about practical things around how to kiss. But the skill that matters most is how to communicate. Absolutely. And sometimes we do this mind reading of if I'm telling this to my partner, they're going to get shattered. They don't want to kind of be intimate. But sometimes you're right that some people are welcoming it as, as long mm -hmm. as we are kind of like talking about it in a non-critical way. Because right. I feel in sometimes in long-term relationships, we lose the skill of kind of like being more 
thoughtful with our communication. We go directly to the feedback mm-hmm. and that can be very hurtful. Yeah. Yeah. Just because we've been around somebody for a long time does not mean that we should be slacking on the care and the consideration. And, you know, the reality is sure part of the comfort and the safety that we develop with people that we have such intimacy with is that we let our guards down and we don't always stand on ceremony. And there are moments where that actually could be doing a real disservice to your relationship. So being willing to to put some effort and intention into how you're communicating makes a really, really big difference. It's an investment in your partnership and something that will enhance it probably in in far more ways than your kisses alone. So it's important. Darshana, I... (laughs) I, I think I uh, I didn't never pass the question number two <laughs> because I I love your energy and all the information that you're sharing with us. <laughs> so tell us about the how can and how and when should we add the hand? Do we have any t- tips about how are we exploring the touch? Mm, yeah. Well, again, very subjective here, which by which I mean it depends upon the body. But what what tends to be true is that. Things feel good when they're very, very focused until they don't. So this applies to clitoral stimulation. It could even apply to how you're stimulating a penis, you know, any spot on the body, like it feels good. It feels good. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's just too much focused attention. And so spreading the touch out actually avoids that, that kind of uh, irritation that can arise. And the same is true. Like even kissing, like sometimes we need a break. Sometimes we need a little more oxygen. It can be fun to be in close and then to pull out and, and have a little play in that way. And touching other parts of the body can enhance the stimulation. Now, I also want to say that some people might be very sensitive and and find that becomes quickly overwhelming or overstimulating. And that's each individual's thing to gauge for themselves and communicate to their partner accordingly. But in general, when we're kissing, you know, a hand, like a hand going through your hair, caressing your shoulders, being held close, soft tickles, scratches with your fingernails, so many different ways that you can invite different sensation in, include other parts of the body so that the arousal is spreading more effectively. And it is a powerful thing, particularly because we place so much emphasis on mouth, breasts, and genitals. And then the rest of the body may be asked to, but then the rest of the body is kind of obsolete in in the predominant narratives around sexuality to include our bodies more fully, to be touched in in different places and, and invite some creativity really sends a powerful message and our bodies tend to be very responsive to that. So, you know, it doesn't mean you immediately start groping and grabbing all over the place. There's, there's a lot to be said for attunement, by which I mean really tracking and, and seeing like, how are they responding to my touch? Are they bracing? Are they getting tight? Are they flinching or, or pulling away? Or does it invite a softening and opening a relaxation? Because that's what we're going for. We're, we're going for our touch, inviting the body that we're in contact with to soften and to open. And so if somebody's flinching or if they're holding their muscles really tense, that's a good sign that they're not actually enjoying what's happening. And perhaps they're not feeling confident or empowered to say as much. So we can be good lovers by paying attention and then offering touch that, again, is, is inviting people into that more receptive state that, that gets the body more fully engaged and aroused because that's going to make it so much hotter, it, you know, whether it's a makeout session alone or if you progress into other explorations 
Um, the more of your body that can be included and invited into the experience, the more of you is, is present there. And, and generally speaking, it's like, we don't, we don't actually want to be compartmentalized and, and segmented. We, we, we want to be there in our wholeness. And this is very much at the root of the work that I do as an erotic wholeness coach. How do we include all of the parts of ourselves? Is, is very much the work that I'm about. And that applies here on a very gross physical level, like bring your body in, in full, touch, move, make sound, breathe, kiss, all the things, and, and let yourself be the dynamic, sensuous being that you truly are. Love that. And I can listen to you talk about these things. <laughs> for hours but I know we're toward the end of our time and I think that's what our listeners want to know so they want to if they want to learn more about you services you provide the content you're putting out there what are some of the places that they can check it out yeah well my website is a great place to go and it's my name darshanaavala.com and you're going to find on there a great starting point is that I have a couple of self-guided erotic wholeness journeys which means you get these videos and these worksheets and these activities. One is designed specifically for people to do as partners. So as a couple, um, that's turned on igniting your best sex. And then there's the erotic wholeness toolkit, which is for anybody. And it gives you some of my favorite practices around embodiment in general. Um, So those are good jumping off points. I offer a communal journey for women called Woman Wise, Wild and Whole. That is a really profound deep dive. And I don't know when this show is going to air, but we start our next round January 16th of 2022. So depending on when you're listening, this may be before or after, but that runs periodically. I hang out on Instagram a fair amount, erotic wholeness. So, so those are the places and there's always new things coming. So please do stay tuned. My email list is really the place to be to hear about the new offerings. And I love getting to interact with people and it's always really particularly sweet to me when someone's like, oh, I heard you on such and such podcast. And then I have a sense of like what I was talking about and what resonated with them. And, and it's a beautiful way to connect. So please reach out. Well, thank you so much for providing this much education, awareness around these topics. And I'm so grateful that you are so generous with our listeners and mm. today with us that you shared all of these wonderful tips. The links mm. for the thing you mentioned, the websites will be in the show notes so people will have access to that. And thank you so much today for joining us. Really a pleasure. Thanks for having me here. I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation. I really loved when Darshana talked about using the breath and nuzzling and all of those delicious tips and tricks that she showed us. Make sure that if you are interested, listen it with your partner. I heard from a few of my clients that they've been listening to these episodes with their partner and it has helped them to talk about the sexual experiences they had with their lovers and give and receive better feedback. Also at the end, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Cozy Earth. One of my New Year's resolution is to sleep better. We have a family of family history struggling with sleep. And I, I still said to myself that I'm going to work on my sleep this year. And I have both their PJ and their sheets. And so far, it has helped me to stay asleep longer. 
One of the challenges that I have at times in the bedroom is I wake up because the bed gets too warm. I know it's one of those issues that only people in California can experience, but I, I have been remaining asleep longer because of their sheet and their PJs are temperature regulated and they're so soft. And I have had many luxury expensive sheets and although these are more premium, but they're not the same pricing and but they are just so great so if you are interested to check out their product use sexology promo code to get 40 percent off also don't forget to check out our instagram account you can follow us at sexology podcast we are starting our fifth year giveaway uh, this week so you don't want to miss that i'll talk to you guys next week Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.